Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition for 2021, January of That's Entertaining. We are back to discuss The Mandalorian, uh, but since it's been a little while since we've been on your audio feed, we just wanted to take a moment and say hello, welcome back, glad to be here, glad that you are still here, and Justin, I am glad that you are here with me as well. How are you doing, fine, sir? Dude, I'm doing great. I mean, this is... Uh... This is fun, getting back in the saddle, you know, with, with you. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just glad to do talk movies and, and TV with you. So it's been a long time. This is where our my podcasting journey started, was with you. So it's fun to get back to it. Well, I'm happy to have you along the way, sir. Um, and just, dear listener, if you're listening to this, uh, since the last time that we recorded our little mini preview thing, uh, my microphone has had some issues. And so, uh, just as a disclaimer, if it sounds weird, <laughs> I can't hear myself. Usually, I can hear myself mirrored from my microphone, so I don't know how my levels are. I don't know how anything's sounding. Uh, hopefully, this sounds listenable. That's all I can say. Uh, but, you know, so I'm not going to belabor the point too much, but I did want to give you a chance, Justin. What you've been watching lately? What has been entertaining you uh, that's been on your mind? Um, so, you know, there's been a ton of stuff coming out lately. Um, actually, it's kind of weird. Um, and we finally have home releases on HBO Max mm-hmm. at our first one with Wonder Woman 84. Um, I did get a chance to watch that. Uh, we're not reviewing that or talking about that today. Um, probably, probably a good thing because I absolutely hated that movie. <laughs> uh, and think I, I, it's actually worth a discussion to talk about why it's so bad, in my opinion. Um, but to get a chance, it, it was, let's say this, it was entertaining. You know what? It, it was entertaining. I'll give it that. Um, and then uh, I just watched Jojo Rabbit yesterday. Um, That's an interesting movie. Yeah. I I couldn't put it off because I was a little uncomfortable with, I was like, I don't know how this is going to play out. You know, a movie about a kid whose best friend is Hitler, um, you know, imaginary friend. Um, and, you know, the whole Nazi thing. Um Turn it into satire was, um, I don't know, it was off putting at the very beginning, but I actually thought it was a really great movie, really good film. So, um, ended up really enjoying it. But, um, other than that, you know, I'm just, um, all in on, uh, Star Wars right now. Mm-hmm. And that is because, so, yeah. You being all in on Star Wars, I am also all in on Star Wars. I'm always all in on Star Wars, though, let's be honest. Yeah. But. <laughs> So I, on a whim, kind of decided, well, I knew we were going to discuss Mandalorian. So in preparation for it, the, over the past week or two, I've been watching, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff that they put out the gallery. But yesterday, about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to watch some Mandalorian again, see what's up with it. And then all of a sudden, uh, about 12 hours later, I watched the final episode <laughs> of Mandalorian. So I, too... I'm all in on Star Wars, but yeah, uh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, um, I told my, and we'll get into Mandalorian here in a second, but like, I just to kind of give my feelings on the Mandalorian in general. Like, I my wife's not a Star Wars fan at all. She's watched a few things here and there, and she's like, yeah, it's okay. But she's you know no nostalgia for it. But I told her today, I was like, I for the first time in my life, not having, I'm not old enough to have seen the original trilogy in theaters or anything. You know, I saw them as they came out in VHS and stuff like that. But um, for the first time in my life, like, Star Wars is, like, super cool. 
like mm-hmm. and it's at its best right now um and it's all because of the mandalorian um you know i was excited when the movies came back and that was cool but this is just i mean yeah yeah mandalorian has definitely elevated star wars uh it's had some issues lately and you know as far as people being very divisive i mean you can go all the way back to when disney acquired star wars right with with the force awakens people were like oh it's just a rehash of the old stories uh then with the last jedi being such a departure some fans loved it some fans hated it and then you go to the rise of skywalker which some people did not like some people did there's a lot going on but yeah. A lot, I think everybody that has watched Mandalorian seems to enjoy it. Um, but whenever you're ready, we can dive in. Let's do it, Nathan. All right. So The Mandalorian, ladies and gentlemen. If you have not yet watched The Mandalorian, or if you're not caught up in Star Wars in general, we'll probably have some spoilers, so just, just be warned. Uh, like If you aren't caught up on Episode 9, <laughs> there might be some little tosses on that too. But uh, we are going to discuss the first 16 chapters. That is seasons one and two of The Mandalorian, just to kind of see what our thoughts are on The Mandalorian and uh, hopefully kind of go along the way, discover some of our real feelings on what makes The Mandalorian tick. So as far as, uh, Justin, you said that you are now to a point where, like for the first time ever, Star Wars is cool. What is it at the core do you think makes it cool to you why is the mandalorian what's what's what makes it so cool to you so i think i mean first off it's just it, everything is really well done like on a film like level um where like i feel like i can't necessarily say that about a lot of the movies um they just don't have a lot of the good film qualities that i usually look for like as far as story wise and action and stuff like that um you know they're very hit and miss especially in the newer trilogy um so but beyond that just the the dedication to using um real effects and going back to that old school um star wars movie making you know mm-hmm. um and using models and using and which i mean we'll get into you know some of the technology behind the show actually tricks you into thinking that they're doing more than they are as far as real effects and stuff like that. But cause the whole, the volume thing is just mm-hmm. insane. Um, some of the technology they're using, which is, you know, as, as from what I can tell is just all John Favreau being a genius basically when it comes to making mo- films. So, um, and I think, you know, he's kind of slowly progressed to making the volume in star Wars. So, um, yeah, it's really just that. It's the filmmaking, it's the directing, um, it's the old school feel of the whole thing. Yeah. It feels it it's exactly what everyone wanted from the movies. It feel it looks like a the original trilogy, but filmed today. You know, mm-hmm. and the beautiful four K Dolby Vision and all that and the lightsabers and effects and everything look amazing. Um and that's just but it still feels like the old movies. Mm-hmm. So it's got that that quality. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's synonymous to Star Wars. Yeah. So we would be remiss if we if there's a listener out there who does not know what the Mandalorian is. This is uh, 
a, a show that has only been on Disney Plus to this point, basically has carried the subscription service uh, thus far for many people. Uh, and it is based in the Star Wars universe after Episode Six, before um, like Episode Seven. So we are in the time period where the Empire has been destroyed, or not destroyed, but the Empire has been defeated, we'll say, by the Rebellion. And we're following the character of Din Djarin, which is the Mandalorian. And we kind of learn more about him as the seasons progress and as things are happening. But the main storyline that happens is he takes a, a job and he comes and finds this little creature that reminds us of a little baby Yoda. Uh, for the longest time, people referred to it as Baby Yoda outside of you know the Star Wars show. Um, but in, in the universe, I think he's just referred to as the child or the asset. Uh, later on in Season 2, we get his name, which is Grogu. Uh, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Grogu as the name for this little creature. What do you think about his name? Uh, for me, it took me a minute to kind of be like, okay, I, I like it, but... Uh, at first, I was kind of a little, uh... Yeah, I think I agree. It, like, at first, I was, like, a little bit off-putting. But, like, what Star Wars name isn't off-putting when you first hear You know what I mean? They're all a little ridiculous. Luke is pretty okay. Yeah, Luke, yes, yep. Um, <laughs> Luke's pretty normal. Um, but even, you know, even the Mandalorian, his, you know, his name is, you know, it, it's just different from our society. Um, I'm just so thankful they didn't do like a yaddle or yaddle or a y name mm-hmm. um they got away from that because there's a pretty famous female yoda species character named yaddle mm-hmm. i think and like she was on the council in episode one yeah and i just think that is dumb like like <laughs> in, unless unless like it's canon that that species names every like why they all names have to start with a y so like i naming him grogu was like oh cool you know mm-hmm not bad yeah yeah so i mean at first i was like eh, but i as as i rewatched it and as you hear him perk up whenever his name is, is yeah. mentioned i i kind of love it um but yeah so grogu is the name of the asset that he finds and over the first se- two seasons of the show it really focuses on the mandalorian's relationship with this child and how he's protecting it he's delivering it to the people who commissioned him and then he's deciding not to and then he's trying to take it to its kind and then this whole adventure ensues so with along the way i mean this is built to be kind of like a western or samurai story uh if you watch these shows like like i did in a quick succession back to back you can definitely see the influences which westerns themselves are influenced by the japanese uh, samurai type storytelling like the Kurosawa's and that so we can definitely tell the storytelling is there and they've there there's references or not references but there's direct uh similes to like the uh the episode that they have the ATST uh with that little village yeah that one is basically like seven samurai okay. uh that movie yep uh which, preparing a village for an attack kind of thing mm-hmm. and getting the getting a team together to defend the village who can't defend itself exactly and then the magnificent seven was the western remake of 
the Seven Samurai, yeah. uh, which has been remade again. But uh, so that was kind of like how they, if you look at that particular episode, how how that's designed, how it's developed. They're taking their inspiration on a lot of these stories from those tried and true, we'll call them, uh, ways of telling the stories from those samurai stories and from the westerns. And you can even tell by the way that the Mandalorian is designed. In a way, a lot of these characters are designed that there's like spur sounds when the Mandalorian is walking across a room. It, it very much ev- evokes the, the cowboy aesthetic. And even... So in one of the... the and I never thought of this. I'll, I'll be 100% honest. I never thought of this. But in one of the behind the scenes, they were talking about the Mandalorian's helmet and how it's kind of like a T-shaped visor and how it's kind of... If you if you look at it, it very reminiscent of a cowboy hat like in the... Um, the Clint Eastwood type movies where you'd have that, that cowboy hat that kind of comes in on his brow. Oh, okay. And you look at that like as the top T. Yeah. They they use that kind of as an inspiration for the helmet, too. So you can definitely see how this show is, is in the background, how it's informed, but how they've perfectly, in my opinion, melded these, these sources to make this really great Star Wars story. And the story itself is told, you know, there's action, there's there's heist episodes, there's kind of horrorish episodes, there's, uh, you know, the typical adventure episodes, and there are some filler episodes, we'll be honest. I mean, there's a couple that are like, eh, we, we could have done them without this along the way, but uh, there's a lot of great story that's being told here. My question for you, Justin, is as you look at these episodes, as you think about them, as you've, you know, watched them, which one kind of stands out to you as among your favorites? Um, yeah, so I've got three favorites. And I did... It's been so long since I... So I have not watched season one in a while yet. Um, so I kind of focused on season two, which I... For me, season two took everything to the next level anyways. So I think mm-hmm. regardless, my three favorite uh, episodes are going to be in that second season. But, um, I mean, the first one has to be the introduction of Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I, was fantastic. That almost pains me to say because um, I love the Mandalorian um, and Din as a character and everything, but seeing Ahsoka in live action, and I'm not even a huge Clone Wars guy. I've, I've seen sporadic episodes, and I watched the last season that was on Disney Plus this year, um, and or last year technically. Um, <laughs> um, but just seeing her seeing a Jedi in the show really um, was really amazing to see. And when you talk about, when you talk about taking all these influences from samurai movies and Western movies, it really come like, it's, it's like shoved down your throat in this episode in a good way. (laughs) Um, Where it's like, this is a hundred percent. It's mostly a samurai episode, but they have these like segments that are a hundred percent a Western, you know, they're inspired from a Western and they even go back to back at one point in the episode. And like that, I was like kind of freaking out during that, that whole episode. I was like, this is just too good. Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm watching this right now. Um, and I almost felt like, I don't know. It's hard because there's so many feelings come about when you think about the, the new trilogy and, you know, your opinions on the movie as a whole, but, like, I was almost watching uh, Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka and just thinking, like, is this, like, the best Jedi action I've ever seen? 
Like, is it because it's filmed in a way that a samurai film would be shot? Um, you know, a realistic way, really? Versus the almost over-the-top acrobatic um, fighting style of the movies. Um, Ahsoka's just got a different style to her, especially in this show. Um, and it, it derived from the Clone Wars style, but... Um, but yeah, it's really that the Western and Samurai references kind of coming to a head in that episode that, and getting a legit old school Samurai showdown, like mm-hmm. so cool. And you get Kyle Reese from the Terminator. <laughs> I mean, who would have thought, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the casting I, has been, has been great. Oh yeah, absolutely. We could talk about that all day. Um, and even just watching, you know, I, I need to go back through and watch the credits for every single episode. Because watching the gallery episode of season two, like, I had no idea that um, the first gambling character is John Leguizamo. I can't say his last name, but... John Leguizamo? Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, like, I would have never caught that voice. You know, I, I, just didn't, I didn't see it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's because also, because even if they are... Doing more, if they're even if they're acting in person, the some of the makeup on this show is incredible as well. What they're mm-hmm. doing with, I assume, is a smaller budget than most of the movies, um, is incredible. But that is my number one favorite episode. Um, yeah, that one's definitely high up on my list as well. I mean, for similar reasons that you talk about, because a the way that 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 one opens up, you know, it's it's very reminiscent of, you know, here's here's the city under siege, and then all of a sudden you realize that. The city is, you know, kind of, it's it's bad, is the people that are in charge of the city. You know, the people in the city are oppressed, and then you have the, the savior trying to come in, not necessarily to save the people. She's got her own agenda, Ahsoka does. But just the way that it's filmed, and it's, you know, in that dark and in the fog, and it just, the way she reveals herself as, you know, being a Jedi, mm-hmm. she... she There's something about the way that they film it with her specifically, and it works perfectly for her because of what we know of her in Rebels and in The Clone Wars. But, like, just that she's kind of just out of the shadows. She's yeah. just moving in and out of the shadows. And it adds this extra layer of mystique to her character, and it adds this extra layer of legend to the Jedi, right? Because at yeah. this point, the Jedi are all but extinct. There's just a few around in the galaxy. Um, and I'll be honest, like when, when Bo-Katan, which by the way, Bo-Katan was also amazing, yeah. uh, says to go find Ahsoka Tano, I about lost it because I was like, they're doing it. They're bringing her in. Yeah. You know, cause, cause people had thought about it. They had thought, yeah, they might bring in these characters. And then someone had posted online about Rosario Radassin being yeah. Ahsoka, but she was super coy about it. And it wasn't until like the episode aired that she was like, yep, here we are. We're good to go. And then she's getting her own you know, series, quote-unquote, as well. Yeah. So, yeah, that episode was fantastic, and I loved it. But I'm going to go in, you know, in any book, another episode from Season 2, because Season 2, like you said, took it to another level. Yeah. And that's the episode where we are introduced to Bo-Katan and her crew. Okay. Bo-Katan. Okay. The whole Mandalorian arc out of the Clone Wars where with Pre Vizsla and Bo Katan and everybody in that timeline, seeing them brought into real life like in seeing Katie Sackoff specifically yeah. 
play Bo-Katan, the character that she voiced in those series is fantastic, and it's amazing, and it's even special because watching that gallery episode about her, she was like, she didn't think it would ever happen. Yeah, right, I'm never, this is never going to happen. Then all of a sudden it uh, does. It does so much for the fans because, A, we know that that's Katie Sackhoff that voiced the character. It's a legacy. And, B, she's invested even more so in making sure that character is fantastic. Yeah. She's invested in making sure that we as an audience are in on it and that she's she's in on it. So she's been on this character for 10 years already at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, that that is just being a fantastic. So we get her introduced as a character. We see how these properly trained group of Mandalorians are able to overtake this this Imperial starship. And then... You know, you kind of see the Mandalorian helping them, but not really 100% knowing what they're doing because they're operating on another level than he is. And then just seeing how they all interact and what they can do. And I, they must not have Beskar, at least not to the level that, that the Mandalorian does, yeah. because he can take shots and isn't afraid of taking shots, uh, you know, to his armor. Yeah. Whereas they're a little more reserved. <clears throat> I love that scene when he kind of, it's like all of a sudden he kind of, he looks over them, they're kind of in a, uh, Situate bad situation, and he kind of takes one for the team and just like charges forward, like mm-hmm. like he's unstoppable. And that's when they kind of they all he gains their trust at that mm-hmm. point because they realize he kind of laid down his life for them. Um, and it's so cool to see. I, you're, you, you, like, I mean, the whole Mandalorian thing from someone who hasn't like watched all of the Clone Wars and like barely knows a little bit about it. I mean, like, and I imagine like guy off the street, like he's seen some Star Wars movies, or whatever. He sees the Mandalorian people. He's like, "Oh, that's like Boba Fett, you know, whatever." That's that's the first thought that goes through his head, right? And it's like, there's so much more, and they're so cool. Like they like, because Bo- Boba Fett has always been the coolest, per- you know, like, you know, like he's just the coolest dude, you know. And he's always had that mystique <clears throat> about him, exactly. And it's really cool that they like open up that entire crazy storyline, and it's deep, and it's very. You know, for a animated show, it's 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 a very you know it's an adult show. You mm-hmm. know, it's um, politics and fighting and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, it was really cool to see them take that shit back like that. Mm-hmm. Now, another episode that so I there's so much an episode or in season <laughs> two that I love. Yeah, um, I'm I'm looking at you on the camera right now, and you're playing the first episode of season two, and they're about to take down the crate dragon, which that scene is fantastic too. Yeah. But I, I would be remiss if we did not talk about one of my favorite characters that's come out of this show, and that's IG-11. So IG-11 was introduced in the first episode as the other bounty hunter that he comes across to find the child. And he, you know, IG-11 was programmed to just follow the strict order of, of taking things literally about all the, the uh, orders. And the Mandalorian puts him down because he doesn't think that they need to kill the child. So we see him again when Quill, another great character in Ugnaught, uh, has reprogrammed him to be a nursing droid uh, for you know use around the homestead for him. But then he ends up being you know the the, the child ends up being put in his custody. We'll say you know under his care. So we see him again. Was it season one, the second to last episode? So it would have been episode seven. He comes back, and we see IG-11, how he was rebuilt, how he was reformed, and how Din, we understand why he doesn't like droids, because 
basically when he was a child, and it must have been during the Clone Wars. No, it wouldn't have been during the Clone Wars. But anyway, when he was a child, there were super battle droids that were destroying his town. And they basically were about to kill him, but then the Mandalorians save him. And that's how he became raised by the Mandalorians as a foundling, they call them. But he comes to trust IG-11. And in the final se- or the final episode of season one, we see the Mandalorian never removes his helmet, right? That's yeah. part of the code, is, is you never remove your helmet. There's even an episode where there's this, this nice lady, and he's like, why don't you just take off your helmet and settle down with this woman and raise your kid, be peaceful, right? But he's like, well, this is the way. I have to leave my helmet on, because that's the way he was raised. But... IG-11, you know, convinces him to be able to save his life. He just has to remove his mask, and he's not a living thing, so he hasn't seen him as a living person, so he can can uphold his code. And IG-11 is just so great. Like, from I keep flashing back to season one where he wants to self-destruct all the time, and Mandalorian's (laughs) like, no, don't self-destruct. And then uh, it comes full circle at the end because there's a a whole bunch of troopers that are about to take them down, but IG-11's like, look... I can sacrifice myself. You guys will be able to survive, and we can take you know. Yeah. Basically, you'll you'll be you'll be free. So. And IG Eleven is just a fantastic character. Yeah. And as a droid, you know, voiced by Taika Waititi, by the way. Uh, but for a, a droid to be so endearing, I have his action figure because I love him. <laughs> He's so great. Uh, but anyway, which is that, what's that's, that's what Star Wars is known for. You know, it's one of the things that Star Wars is known for is these incredible. Um, non-human character you know droid characters mm-hmm. um starting from the very beginning um and we've got you know uh who's the character in rogue one um, um k2so yeah 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 um you know it's just another very uh, a droid with human you know that because of how droids think and they're they take everything so literal they end up having they end up being very humorous you know um yeah and i I just love the fact that there's an IG unit in this because there's an IG unit in the original trilogy that you they scan over when they're showing all the bounty hunters um, mm-hmm. on Darth Vader's ship, and it's like they continually do this in the Mandalorian where they take a random shot in the original trilogy and go, all right, that guy, we're gonna base a whole episode on him or a whole character <laughs> on him, you know, like who except for the super nerds. Who had ever heard of an IG unit until this show comes around and it's like, oh, this is these are bounty hunters, you know, these are bounty hunter droids and whatever. So, um, so cool. Um, yeah, I agree. And another thing, like talking about, you know, his growth as a character as a droid, um, but also Din's, you know, growth as a character. Like that's what this show. That's what makes the show so great. It's like seeing all the different characters grow, um, side characters, main characters grow. You know, everyone. You kind of see their story progress, um, but um, very slowly throughout the season, um, mm-hmm. which I really love. That, um, yeah, that is. I, I do really love you know that dynamic in the first season, um, but <clears throat> other notable character that came back into the show in season two. Um, probably my second favorite episode, the return of Boba Fett in mm. his armor. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, this is basically an episode. Um, 
this is another very video gamey episode. Um, a lot of jokes have been made about this show, about just comparing it to a video game because it's basically an endless amount of side quests um, yeah. with the main story kind of progressing in the background, um, which is very much a video game thing. But um, in here, you've got a, kind of a video game mechanic of Grogu goes up to meditate, um, trying to reach out to another Jedi through the Force. Um, and in uh, the Mandalorian can't reach him or whatever which i i do love that he like uh the mandalorian is so dumbfounded by the force and like magic mm-hmm. that he continues to keep trying to, even though he like, like three times right? yeah like it's a little it's almost like well he should be smart he's a really good fighter and he seems smart why does he keep trying to go after him when he's just gonna get kicked back knocking himself out literally um but it's it's because no because like you said there are very few jedi it's more of like a myth than anything. So why would you believe in like magic? Basically, it's like us seeing something like that. We wouldn't believe it. Um, so, uh, but this episode we get first we get to see Boba Fett um, without his armor, um, played by uh, Tamira Morrison, who mm-hmm. played Jango Fett. And um, what do we call it? what do we call those movies? The prequels. The prequels. Yeah. Uh, had a mind fart there um (laughs) but see him come back as that character and um just as soon as he gets his armor back and it's all beaten up just like we you know like how we're used to really and basically it's like 10 straight minutes of boba fett like showing why he's so um why why the whole galaxy is afraid of him basically as a bounty hunter Um, because it just shows him kicking butt and like basically i mean killing stormtroopers i mean Mm -hmm. he's like you you know star wars movies you know it's kind of they're just kind of hitting them knocking them down with the blaster bolts you don't like see like death a whole lot um but like he's like messing these dudes up you know smashing in their um helmets and stuff like that and like you just get to see 10 minutes of boba fett being awesome um which is like just a total redemption from like in my head i've always been like boba fett's the coolest i used to have you know um i always had like my computer wallpaper as that and stuff like he's just such a cool character but like he never really did anything in the movies he was kind of sucked honestly I and mean, he gets <laughs> knocked down pretty Got knocked out like a punk yeah like you know it's not great but to see him come back in this episode and be like no dude he's got he's got mad skills <laughs> he's awesome mm-hmm. um and just knocking fools out and um taking charge and he's still got that cool factor right when i talk about like star wars is cool like that dude is cool mm-hmm. um and, and I, it wasn't it wasn't until like this show that we've seen the rocket pack fire off the missile right i don't know if we saw that in episode two or not we well we saw it in episode one just not by boba fett um when we well, get... no, no, episode two as in, like, the Clone War. Oh, Attack yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think we did, yeah. But, yeah, it was in uh, episode one of, of season two where we see the first time a rocket yeah, fired off, off, at least that I'm aware of, yeah. Which is funny that it wasn't even Boba Fett that got to, we got to see that with. So, mm-hmm. um, another great episode, like you said, you know, just all of it's amazing. But, um, yeah, just the reintroduction of Boba Fett, though, like, and I think 
But was that the very was that the episode right after the Ahsoka episode? Yeah, that yeah, was the so episode like, because they went to take Grogu to the Rock. Yeah, Ahsoka and it was like, too. It was like those two episodes together. I, I was just like, I cannot believe how good this show is. You know. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing how you know when you when you look and you kind of think about the episodes that we have and that we've watched as we're doing now, just how good the storytelling is and how good they they reintroduce or introduce these characters and carry those storylines along um i wanted to go back and and talk about episode uh well the last episode of season one again with uh kind of the real introduction of the big bad of the series we'll call him well at least at this point he's the big bad uh and that is uh what what was he? The Imperial Siri Secure no Imperial Intelligence Agent. Um Moff Gideon. Mm-hmm. Um ISB agent Moff Gideon. And he's after Grogu, he's kinda of the one that's you know, put out the initial request for him to be, you know, taken because they want his midichlorians. They want his uh, I think the line was dropped his M count. Yeah. You know, they they didn't want to use the word midichlorian. <laughs> um but they're looking for Grogu as a donor because it looks like they're cloning some th- somebody, something, someone. Uh, it could be they're cloning Palpatine, as we know in Episode Nine. Palpatine is is like a, he's working on clones. He's working on creating Snoke. Yeah. Uh, it could be that they're using him for that. Uh, so tying in again to the the overall storyline, which would also be in the right timeline for for that to happen as well. Uh, but we. Jincario Esposito, I think is his name, that plays Moff Gideon. He plays the best bad guys. Yes. <laughs> uh, so if you've seen Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad, you know him from, from that. Uh, he's, he's just so measured. And so he's unimposing physically. But it's the way he addresses you, the way he talks, the way he thinks, the way he's plotting things out, and the way that... He's the, he's always like the smartest person in the room. He's like yeah. two steps ahead. And so like when he's introduced with his tie fighter coming down with the squadron of troopers and they he's just giving them an ultimatum and he's like I'll give you until sundown because I'm not worried about, you know, anything pretty much, right? He's mm-hmm. just so BA that that's that's what's happening. And then you know, at the end, we see him flying his TIE fighter around. It's basically that big boss battle at the end of a video game, as you alluded to earlier, the video game mechanic. Uh, and then we see him with, you know, surviving the, the TIE fighter crash with Justin, with the Darksaber. <laughs> like, so, you know, as fans, we've seen the Darksaber in the Clone Wars, in the hands of Pre Vizsla, in the hands of Bo-Katan, in the hands of Darth Maul. Uh, we've, we've seen this before, and it's, it's this really cool weapon, this ancient weapon that exists before lightsabers that was used to fight Jedi that has such a legacy behind this weapon. And to see it in live action with him holding it, standing on top of the TIE fighter like that, that was such a cool image to see it finally there. Um, did that evoke any emotion for you? Like, I, yeah. I was giddy. So I had no idea what a dark saber was or anything like that. I was just like, whoa, that's a crazy looking, uh, lightsaber. And I could tell it was different. Um, and for me, like, 
you don't need to, you know, you don't really need the background to be like, oh, that's a cool weapon and obviously important because they made it, you know, they made such a big deal of it just by him cutting himself out with that thing and standing in there. Um, for me, it was awesome because I was like, all right, uh, you know, I'm like, scrambling for my phone trying to like look up, all right, what is this thing? <laughs> um, and I think I'd already seen like rumors of like, oh, the dark sabers in the show or whatever. Um, and so for me, when stuff like that pops up, I actually think it's, uh, it's like fun. It, it's like this mm-hmm. activity. It's like, all right, now I get to go look back at this lore of the Clone Wars or Rebels and learn about this thing. And um, so then when I see it again in season two, I'm like, oh, now I, I kind of, I'm mostly caught up. I understand what it is. And, um, and that's why we knew, get the introduction of Bo-Katan and stuff. It's, it all just makes sense. And it's like, that's really cool. Um, and like, I think I am at this point just as excited as like the fans of who actually watch all of, you know, Clone Wars are like, I'm just excited to see the storyline carry on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, his, his acting as that character, like it started out so great with season one. And then like, he just becomes more and more menacing as season two goes on. Um, and it's so cool to see. And I do like those like little tidbits that kind of tie it back into like the main storyline and yeah, he's the cloning or like just this idea of like this crazy Imperial officer who's like trying to, he's basically trying to get the hero's blood out of, you know, he's trying to gain a hero's abilities. Um, through science and it's like what a crazy idea and like i mean like um the empire you know they're basically nazis you know, like when you look at you know how they look and oh yeah 100 percent. and like so this is more of like that kind of same thing like the science weird science experiments and trying to make themselves more powerful through weird experimental science that's probably not gonna you know really do anything which it you know the we we meet the doctor in this season two and he he says i need more blood but like that doesn't mean he's making any progress it's just like ah, i ran out of blood like nothing you know nothing really worked so um yeah i uh i i think it's really cool to see the dark saber um mm-hmm. and we got we got a lot of it in this season oh yeah yeah we got you know a nice thing about the dark saber there but i've I think it's time that we kind of focus in on the final episode and the final minutes of the final episode because Justin I don't know how 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 to explain this but when so the seeing rock that Grogu sits on right Ahsoka says if he reaches out maybe a Jedi will hear him and, and come to find him so they're they're in this situation, which, by the way, there's a legion of of dark trooper phase threes, uh, <laughs> which again is amazing because those are from the dark forces video game that they're bringing in and putting into canon, and that's just a whole. We don't have time to talk about oh, all I know. these there's things. So many I mean, we're just hitting the highlights on this conversation, obviously. But you know, they're in this impossible situation. We saw the Mandalorian take down one uh, of these troopers. And it took a lot. It basically, he used the last of his super little weapon that he had, the little dart that he's got. Um, and there's a legion outside this door, literally banging it down. And then are about to come in. And then all of a sudden, we hear the little alarm goes off, the proximity alarm. And then there's one lone X-Wing coming into the spaceship. 
and you know one of the characters is like oh great one one tie fighter or one x-wing whoop de doo we're saved little do they know who it is like so when that happened i'm like no no there's no way that this is luke skywalker there is no way that they're putting skywalker in this disney plus series right there's no way now they're faking us out let me ask did you have any predictions going into because there are so many rumors about this this episode and like obviously we know he went to the rock he reached out to mm -hmm. someone there's so many rumors about who that jedi could be and would he even be in this season so did Mm -hmm. what was your prediction like you know because you know there was definitely some names thrown out that turned out to be correct but what what were you thinking going into this episode so I tried to stay as spoiler-free as I could, so I didn't really venture into all the prediction people okay. out there yep. and all that jazz. But personally, I was like, it's going to be Ezra. Because the timing is right for Ezra to be out there, to be a Jedi, to be feeling you know, in tune with everything happening. So my thought was, this is probably going to be Ezra Bridger, and he is kind of like the central character from the Rebels show. So that's who I assumed. Uh, and I had heard you know, rumors about... Freddie Prince Jr. playing him, the other characters playing him, and whatever. But I, I had heard that, you know, we're probably going to see the Jedi. Yeah. I didn't know who, I didn't know who it was going to be, but I kind of expected it in a final season or the final episode to be a Jedi. So when they were getting into this impossible situation, I was like, okay, a Jedi's going to have to come save him. And when, when they showed the TIE fighter come in, I was like, there is no way they're bringing Luke in here. There, nah, can't be Luke. They're faking us out. That, that was my thought. And then, you know, when you see, like, the reveal of the black, you're like, well, that could be any, any Jedi, you know, yeah. whatever. That, that's, that could be any Jedi. And then they show, I think the next was the green lightsaber. And I'm like, oh, this is freaking Luke. And then, you know, the belt buckle and the whole reveal of everything and just watching him. And then finally, when he gets in there, taking the hood off, and we see the, the de-aged uh, Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. Dude, I was... Like, this is Luke Skywalker, right? This is what I wanted to see post-Return of the Jedi, Luke Skywalker. I wanted to see him effortlessly take down this legion of impossible troopers with little ease. Like, he's just like, whatever. You know, the the references to the the Rogue One scene with with Vader in the hallway and him in the hallway with the, the, the dark troopers. Definitely poetic from that point of view. But just seeing Luke finally in his prime has something that I've wanted to see on the screen for so long. Like, we, we saw Luke, obviously, in the prequel trilogy as, as the disgruntled master who's kind of learned errors of his ways and has put himself into forced exile. But this is Luke in his prime, man. Never thought we would see Luke in his prime. So I was, I was floored, happy, elated. A, his lightsaber, that green lightsaber is like my favorite lightsaber anyway. Uh, so seeing that in action and in use and oh, was just awesome. But seeing him have mastery over his powers and of the Force and just, yeah, I'm a Jedi. I'm here. Yeah. Come, come, little one. Let's go. Like, that was so amazing. And then, Justin, and then <laughs> to see R2 roll up next to him. There is no way that they can top this moment in this show. And if they can, you might want to call 911 right now because I'm going to be on the floor somewhere. <laughs> this was amazing, Justin. Okay, I've talked enough on this subject. What was your thought? Walk me through what you thought when you saw that happen. 
Uh, so when I saw the X-Wing, I, I was, I had no idea. Cause I also, I've never seen Rebels, so I have no idea what kind of ship. I had heard the rumors of Ezra. And I was like, all right, that's probably what it's going to be. They're bringing other characters in from the animated shows. Probably going to be this dude. Or just, they could just make a Jedi up, you know, who, mm-hmm. you know, there's whatever, you know, it's easy to do. Um, so I see the ship. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Okay. This is obviously the Jedi, but who is it? Um, and even when I saw the green, cause they show the green first I'm like, hmm, I feel like they're faking me out. You know, like, it's, it, this is a fake out. Um, but then you see the hand, the glove, and that's, I was like, okay, this has got to be him. And um, just incredible. Um, it's like, it's like they save, you know, this this is about the Mandalorian. This is about Din and, and his story and everything. But, um when they use Jedi, like, sparingly, they do it super well. And, like, yes, like, this, you know, this dude is just mowing down these um, dark troopers that were, they never stood it. You know, the other group didn't stand a chance. Mm-hmm. You know, these are basically impossible to kill unless you're a Jedi. And it just shows how scary the Jedi really are. Because um, you lose that in the prequels and a lot of other stories where they're just they're so abundant that it seems normal, but it's like no these these dudes are like crazy, um, and really you know, um, and granted these are you know these are droids so there there's an argument that you know Jedi can be as ruthless as they want to droids because they're not humans, because um, uh, I mean he. Like, he does kind of, like, some scary force techniques um, in this, like, crushing the droids, stuff like that. It almost seems like he's tapping into the dark side a little bit, which I actually liked. Um, I was like, that's awesome. It shows, like, how ruthless he is or whatever, you know. And maybe goes back, kind of plays into his character that we see in the sequel trilogy um, of how he maybe did have a tinge of darkness in him, you know. Um, I... When when the hood came down though, I honestly was kind of just like, eh. I I did for some reason it didn't ignite anything to me, and I think I just wasn't. I was really hoping for something new. I think after the sequel trilogy, I kind of want to just be done with the Skywalkers. I get it. He's Luke. It's so cool to see. I like. I'm so cool to see him in his prime, but like. I was like, ah, oh, couldn't they have done something new? Like, and then, uh, and then my mind start racing and I'm like, are they like ruining season three or four of Mandalorian by making this about Luke and his journey? And like, how long can they keep up with the de-aging of Mark Hamill? And, you know, my anxiety is just like going through. I'm like, I don't know if they can pull this off. Um, like how it's, it's, it's such a conflicted feeling of like, this is so cool. This is the hero from Star Wars. This is him. And he's so BA and so awesome. But, like, another part of me was like, I'm done with you, Luke. I don't want to see you. <laughs> um, you know, but cool nonetheless. Very cool. Mm-hmm. I did, the R2 moment did get me. Um, I was like, oh, okay. Like, R2 is my guy. You know, like, uh, I, he. He's basically, you know, ageless. He can go into any of the movies, any of the series, whatever, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I, it was very cool. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I'm glad it did not get spoiled for me at all. Um, I thought that was very cool. Yeah, I remember that day that it, the episode dropped. Like, I was going to wait until later to watch it, but I ended up, like, waking up early, and I was like, oh, I'll go ahead and watch it, because I think Jason Lacey of Flux Opposed fame was... Uh, he, he, like, messaged me. I was like, dude, I need you to watch this episode. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. So I watched it a little earlier, and, yeah, it was it was good. Yeah. I <laughs> This is almost sad to say, but the first time I watched this episode, because I've watched it two or three times now, um, I watched it in my car, on my lunch break, on my phone. <laughs> Shameful, but I was so worried about getting it spoiled for me. I was like, mm-hmm. all right, I just got to watch this. So I just took a long lunch break and watched it. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it did not disappoint. And then, you know, I obviously had to rewatch it and the new TV and all that. Um, but so cool to see a Jedi just, like, just being awesome like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. I mean, the moment between the Mandalorian and Grogu, mm-hmm. um, when Luke says he's coming to me, basically. And I did think that you can tell there was either a limit on time or budget or something. And the, you know, the de-aging tech where it was, it seemed all rushed at the very end where it's like Luke shows up and maybe it's just because of his Jedi confidence where he's just like, he's just like, Grogu's coming with me. I gotta take him. You know, yeah, you gotta give him like, okay, but he's coming with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I was like, oh man, like, I really, I, I kind of expected it, but I was like, this sucks, man. Like, what's, like, Baby Yoda? You know, that's like that's been the that's been the Mandalorian story from the beginning, like, mm-hmm. um, and I just, um, there's such, there's, finally we see him take off his helmet. Um, well, we've seen him take off his helmet, but not in front of Grogu. Um, right. And not in front of a room full of, you know, some strangers and a bunch of people and other Mandalorians. Um, but we've been slowly building up through well, that. That was that one time in the Imperial base, but they're all yeah. dead, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, and Bill Burr said, don't worry about it. I didn't see anything, basically, mm-hmm. being the cool guy that he is. Um, but, I mean, they throughout the whole season two, it's definitely a character growth arc that we, you know, he meets um, Bo-Katan, and she's like, what are you talking about? We can take your helmet off. It's not a big deal. And you start to see like the gears grinding in the head of like, maybe I wasn't taught everything, you know, and there's more to this whole Mandalorian story than I know. And, you know, apparently he was raised by, um, you know, a cult and, mm-hmm. you know, which is a, a cool kind of story arc and itself. Um, but just to see him take his helmet off for Grogu to be like, mm-hmm. here's my face kid, you know? And like, he reaches out towards him and like, I mean, I'd be lying if I wasn't like a little teary eyed, you know, you, now you get that immediately after meeting Luke, you know, and it's right. like, dang, man, they're really hitting you. Well, it's literally, so, you know, psychologically people can build up emotional suits of armor, right? Yeah. And literally he allowed this little kid, you know, as he calls him to, to break through his armor. His he, to to lower his armor to take his helmet off. Now he can see him with his own eyes. This is probably the first time he's seen him with his own eyes too. You know, not looking yeah. through a visor. Yeah. Um. So they got this great moment, you know, where they're able to both see each other, and Grover touches his face, and just the acting on Pedro Pascal's face 
we actually yeah. get great acting from his face finally uh is is so good um and you know you mentioned something about him him being raised in this you know this religious zealot off offshoot sect yeah. cult the, the watch i think it was of of the mandalore i think that kind of sets up season three so so now you know with season three he's he's not he's fulfilled his quest right he doesn't have the the grogu component to his storyline anymore sure he'll probably be wondering about him and seeing what things are going on but i think it sets up for season three for him to kind of go on a path of self-discovery to maybe go help bo-katan and these mandalorians retake mandalore learn more about what being mandalorian really means and you know just kind of go in that self-discovery journey in season two which maybe will lead him back to that that little you know farm where they saved them from the hest with that woman maybe he can go and take off his mask and say hi do you remember me yeah you know so i think you know where we we're at with the story. I think we're we're definitely done with the Grogu component. Uh, he'll probably pop back up yeah. in, do in you, the series again. Do you think you will see him? Oh, I, I'm I'm assuming we do at some point. He'll he'll be he'll have a little Padawan braid going on. He'll be talking <laughs> at that point. Um, but I, I definitely think we'll see him. You know, at some point in in the in a future season. Um, but I think. By them completing this arc, they're able to really focus on the Mandalorian, focus on who his character is. Um, and we, we also get these offshoots now that this is kind of launched with, you know, Ahsoka coming out uh, within the next couple of years. The Book of Boba Fett coming out uh, in the, I think it's Christmas of uh, 2021. So I believe it's December. Um, I don't think I don't think I don't. Don't they clarify Christmas or not? But I think, as I understand it, Boba Fett is coming first. We're getting the book of Boba Fett. Um, I don't. I can only assume it's not like a huge whole st- whole season worth of content. I heard four episodes. Yeah, that's what I've heard as well. Um, and so I believe that they're basically filming that. That's going to come out in December, and then immediately followed by the Mandalorian season three. Um, and kind of just like this cool offshoot, like. Which is exactly it's it's literally the book of Boba Fett. It's like what's mm-hmm. here's just a story of Boba Fett's life, um, mm-hmm. and probably the next chapter in his life, combined with you know how he got to where he was in season two. Um, yeah, I I agree. I I mean the show is called The Mandalorian, so and now we're literally going to Mandalore. We assume, um, mm-hmm. and we have to assume that because. And I don't know, you know, you're a bigger fan of the Clone Wars and the whole Mandalore. Um, storyline but they set up that you know it's gonna be him versus Bo-Katan in a way of this conflict of he's the rightful owner of the Darksaber now um they they kind of yeah so in the it was either Rebels or Clone Wars the Darksaber was given at one point to Bo-Katan without a duel, I don't think so. There's, yeah, that's there's going to be some some ways around. And it. that's why I, I don't. It, the thing is that Dave Filoni, who's um, like a executive producer, and he directed the Ahsoka episode. He's like a Star Wars genius. He's been, you know, like George Lucas is like his surrogate father, basically. Um, and he's a big part of the knowledge behind all of these weird little Star Wars hints and stuff like that. I would assume that he wouldn't 
write himself in a corner with this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure he understood what was going on, and so they must have a, they must already have season three in their heads of what that's going to be, as far as overall story. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I imagine they'll get themselves out of that situation, and Bo Katan can get the dark saber back. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, just I am excited for that whole storyline, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, the only thing I fear, and maybe. Maybe we'll get this throughout season three anyways, but like, um, I hope we get more of the uh, adventure of the week that we get with the Mandalorian right now. Um, I like those filler episodes. Um, you know, I, I actually had written my, my third favorite episode from this season was the Bill Burr episode, which was a side quest episode, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it was Bill Burr, um, in that moment in the cafeteria, but, um, I like those episodes, so I hope we still get that, even though there's, like, it seems like the stakes have, like, ratcheted up now. It's, like, now we're with Bo-Katan, and she's, like, insistent that they take back her her um, planet and stuff, and, like, hopefully we're not just, like, forced into that. Hopefully we still get some adventure, different planets. Um, we've gotten quite a few new planets through this show, and I hope that continues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely done a great job in growing the universe and you know, respecting the universe that it's living in by taking pieces that we know and that we have seen before and putting it all together. Um, I know we're running a little long. We wanted to keep these episodes around 45 minutes or so. Obviously, we're going a little longer than that now. But I did want to mention just briefly the amazing technology that they're using to create these episodes. They have this piece of technology called the volume, which when if you look at their soundstage, it's basically... A, a video wall and so they're they're instead of having a green screen that they're filming against they're able to you know have the these actors be in this this world and act against the world instead of acting against a green screen and i think we've definitely seen an enhancement because of the use of that technology uh, which uses like the epic engine to generate yep. what's going on and the perspective of how they're using it um, the episode i think of the the gallery that talks about that in the first season is called the technology or technology. Mm-hmm. I definitely recommend uh, anyone listening that's curious about that to go watch that episode. It is mind blowing and it's amazing. Oh, it's really they've crazy. Taken, yeah, they've taken the epic engine and have applied it in such a a way that they can put them in Star Wars to film it. And yeah. It's so it's fantastic. The part that really blew my mind about that. Was I was I, I, the whole thing? I was like, "Oh, this is really cool." You know, that's a cool way to use the technology and everything. But when John Favreau starts talking about how they've connected the camera to the volume, the video wall, and in real time they can move the camera and the video, whatever they're shooting at on the wall will actively change, mm-hmm. just like a camera would, or like the perspective would change versus just a static image on the wall. And I was like, "What?" How are they? Mm-hmm. How are they doing this? Why are VR sets, you know, this bad? If they have this kind of crazy technology in Hollywood, like yeah. insane. Um, and this is the episode where I was like, John Favreau is like a genius. I thought mm-hmm. he was just like some like a good director and a funny guy, and you know he's made some really great films and from Marvel John universe. John Favreau is amazing. Like if you w- look like, at his body of work, yeah. it's fantastic. And I, I'm a, I'm a fan from the beginning with his early comedies, but um, to watch like his progress from like the Lion King or 
maybe it was something even before or the Jungle Book, Jungle. Lion King, to this. Like the technology side is something that he's got a key like grasp on, and probably pushing the technology forward over at um, Lucas and, and Disney. So, yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because those those gallery episodes are really cool. So yeah, definitely recommend those. All right, Justin. So any final thoughts for this episode? Just uh, yeah, like I said, you know, Star Wars is like cool again. I'm really, I love it. Like the Mandalorian yeah. is by far my favorite piece of Star Wars content, especially when you take it as a whole. Um, episode to episode, you know, it can go up and down just like any show does. But as a whole, like this is my favorite Star Wars content, like over, over the original trilogy, honestly. Like those always have the nostalgia, but like this is like just you you know it's just great. It's a great show. Period. Yeah, it's a great piece of content, definitely for Disney Plus. And if you have Disney Plus and you haven't yet watched Mandalorian, a what are you doing listening to this point of the show? <laughs> but b watch it. Um, it's fantastic. And just to echo Justin, it's you know this is a great time for Star Wars because the Mandalorian has made it great. Um, but since you have Disney Plus and since you've seen Mandalorian and you're waiting for something else to watch, maybe, maybe join Justin and I again next month because we'll be talking about Soul that was just released recently on Disney Plus. So on the February episode, which should drop, you know, early February. I don't want to commit to a date yet, but, you know, maybe, you know, first the solo days, the single digit days of February. Uh, be looking forward to that so that way uh, we can... Continue the discussion in 2021 of That's Entertaining. So, dear listeners, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Star Wars fans alike, uh, thank you for joining us this month on this episode, and we hope that you have been and that you will be entertained. Entertained.